Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, a podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the Jambos registering a second consecutive one-all draw in the Scottish Championship after the Dumfries disappointment turned into Tynecastle torment against Morton. I am your more emotional host of the Perth to Paisley partnership, Adam Kennedy, and I'm joined, as always, by the self-proclaimed, more pragmatic co-host, Daniel McIver. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing very well. I like that we've now got defined titles within the show. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a long time coming, but this this is just for for first time listeners to distinguish who's who. So, but that being said, I'm actually not as angry as I thought I'd be heading into this episode. Um, what is a great source of sort of casual therapy, however, are the Big Hearts Talk of the Tune calls, one of which I'm co-hosting with the This Is My Story Boys um, upon the day of recording, Tuesday the 23rd at 7 o'clock. So if you fancy a wee chat, whether it be hearts related or anything you like, then you can find all the info at bighearts.org.uk. Um, we mention them whenever we can, but if you're still unfamiliar with these uh, Zoom meetings for whatever reason, then all you need to know is that Talk of the Tune aims to offer supporters a chance to try and take their mind off the struggles of the pandemic, give fans an opportunity to have an informal chat with other jambos like they used to at Tynecastle, any other grounds around the country or any pub of choice pre-Covid. Um, the 90-minute Zoom calls are free to attend and open to all supporters, and like I say, I'm co-hosting with Liam Corbett of uh, This Is My Story from Seven. It was meant to be Tam Fraser, I believe, but when are you next involved, Mr McIver? I think I'm going to be involved next week at some point because I'm back and readily available for them and I'm looking forward to it. Smashing stuff. Well, all the necessary info and the relevant place to sign up can be found at bighearts.org.uk. So like I say, get yourselves involved. Okay, let's get into chatting about the weekend then. One of the rarest fixtures in Scottish football as Greenock Morton travelled to Edinburgh to take on Heart and Midlothian for their first competitive visit to Tynecastle in just shy of 33 years. The last time, the Jambos won 2-0 on the 26th of March 1988, a month after knocking the ton out of the Scottish Cup at the same venue, um, again by that same scoreline. And I had anticipated the same result. Daniel, you went for a more optimistic 5-1 victory. Um, <laughs> before we talk about the action, how disappointing is this draw in the grand scheme of things? Oh, very, isn't it? It's, it's really, really, really disappointing. Um, I, I would like to preface the 5-1 prediction. It was more a joke prediction that I'd just been... Because it, yeah, we're recording this on Monday as we usually do. I'm off work this week. And it was more just you and me were chatting and it was like, well, hey, I'm off work. Let's just go a bit mental. <laughs> my actual prediction that I said to my dad was nil-nil. <laughs> Ever the optimist. Love Absolutely. It. I, was all, I was spot on with the type of result we got. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's a positive. Certainly much more than my, my routine win, but oh, I don't know. I'd Listen, before we before we actually talk about the match, I've got I've got something to confess. I'm gonna lay my cards out on the table here. Um I've said in the past few weeks that we are limping towards this title and I've obviously carried my, my season ticket over, like I've said on here before. Um I don't really know how to start and I'll I'll just say that if the ha- if the 
If the Hearts hierarchy think that I'm forking out £18.50 to see us draw at home to Morton, then I'm sorry to say that they are very much mistaken. So, I didn't watch the match as it happened. Um, I, I I would rather that the money went into the bookies to at least make Soccer Saturday more entertaining. Um, I lost better Wait, now though, hold on. Go on. Hold on. We're fucked. Because I How? only watched the first half. Well, this is what I was going to say. Because <laughs> a lost bet or two to me is still more fun than watching the Jambos struggle. And you obviously didn't last the full 90 either. So this is a reminder, if you're looking for some comprehensive coverage, folks, you've <laughs> definitely come to the right place. Oh, I was really relying on you watching the 90 and that I could just fill in some blanks with your help. No, I, no. Why, why should I fork out? We've been dire for weeks. No? True. But it's it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I I just I find myself, oh, I I simultaneously love and hate hearts. This is where I'm at. It it got to the stage on Saturday when I'm looking at it thinking, I'm not even I'm not even sure I'm angry. I'm I'm obviously raging, but then I'm cooling off, and then something will happen like an hour or two later, and then I think back to it, and then I get all angry again. So, anyway, that's that's the predicament I find myself in. I don't know if you're in that same. Lull. I'm, I'm, I'm not. But in the sense of, I wish I was because I'd still be feeling something towards it. Yeah. And this is, this is where I kind of wanted to have a wee discussion before we get into the game generally. Um, I got into a discussion with a guy who follows me. I'm not actually sure if he listens. I hope he does, and I hope he enjoys it. Um, we got into a wee debate because I just tweeted that. I very much, if I didn't have to cover Hearts games for this, I wouldn't be watching Hearts games. And a couple of Hearts fans took that as me being a part of that camp that you yourself have been a part of for periods of time. I myself have mentioned aspects of it where it's like, this is ridiculous, we're playing awful, there's no positives. I like to, as we said at the start, I like to think I'm quite pragmatic, so where I place myself in that camp. Um, that isn't where that tweet came from, that if you missed the tweet, it was me saying that I have the same reaction to us beating Dundee 6-2 to us drawing one all at home in Morton. And the reason behind that isn't anything to do with hearts, to be honest. It's it's the way I'm viewing the football just now. And I know it's because I can't go. And I know it's I get that. there's no fans. I, I, I totally get that. And I it's, think you're so limited, aren't you, with, with what we're having to kind of not suffer with as such but it just it's not the same is it yeah it's um because for example the reason i was saying that was like i'm feeling that way around all football just now so i've never really been one to watch the premiership like the english premiership i would watch match of the day often um but not that often I wouldn't keep up with every single score and then I'd watch quite a bit of the Champions League and stuff like that and whilst I've watched the occasional Champions League game here or there I just I'm feel really disassociated with football just now so I didn't want people to take that as me going I hate football just now eh, I hate hearts just now sorry it's more that I just don't really have a lot of affection for football but at the same time it really reinforced to me on Saturday and I think Fowler tweeted it, Craig Fowler, who said, I've disliked a lot of Hearts teams in the years but this one might just take it and 
I said to you, we have a squad of roughly 22-ish there in, in about, and I can safely say I like and feel associated with five individuals. Well, th- this is a good little discussion point, because are you going to get into these five individuals, or shall they, shall they re- remain nameless? No, because... I'll happily say who they are. Right, g- give us give us your uh, your quintet. So, the five boys that I'm a fan of in this current crop is Craig Gordon and Goals, but I know that a lot of that is because of nostalgia. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'd feel as, as attached to Gordon this season because he's he's had very little to do. Um, but Craig Gordon, Michael Smith, Andy Irvin, Peter Haring, and Liam Boyce. Wow. That's, uh, that's quite the conclusion. I just... And again, I don't mean that I've suddenly completely rejected all the new boys. That's not what I mean. I just mean that I don't feel a connection to many of them yet. And people might say, Kingsley's been class, and he has been. Not really this year. Like, since 2021 started, he's not been asked. Since he signed his deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what a surprise. I don't mean that I don't like him. I just mean I find it hard to have a connection with players that when you're not there at the game themselves... Like, so I'm not saying that to those boys like Mac and F I've really liked the look of so far and stuff like that. I'm not saying, no, fuck them. I just don't have much of attachment. But other ones I, like, almost actively dislike because I'm like, you are the reason we are down here. So many of them. No, listen, mate, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. And it sounds to me as though you it's taken a while for that sort of feeling to kick in. Whereas for me... Obviously, being the more emotional, like we've well, like we've discussed it the two, it's it's either a love or hate thing, and this is this is what I go back to earlier on, where for as much as I love Hearts, I can equally hate Hearts, and mm-hmm. I mean they've just they've destroyed the weekend the past couple of weeks, really. Yeah. But anyway, let's let's get into discussing the the weekend match because Robbie was asked in his pre-match presser um, by Brian McLaughlin. Was he worried about the performance in Dumfries against Queens? Um, and obviously in the in the previous league match. Um, and Robbie said, when you're trying to win a league title, you're going to have ups and downs throughout the season. Um, Michael Smith, one of your attached quintet, if you like, um, yep. also spoke Fancy of him. <laughs> who doesn't. Also spoke exactly. of his disappointment um, regarding the draw in Dumfries, claiming that the wins are more important than the performances. Again, another viewpoint of yours but also spoke about us not being great and the squad's sort of desire to try and improve that, the, the the lull, if you like, that we find ourselves in. Given this recent batch of results, are you somewhat concerned now that us being promoted automatically is in jeopardy? No, not at all. Why is that? Like not, not even in the slightest, because this league is shit. It's nothing to do with us. It's nothing to do with our confidence in us or our chances of getting results. It's that everybody in this league seems to just be able to beat everybody. So no team's going to be able to put on a run of form like we have to be able to surmount it. Because even if all games played, everybody gets on equal games. And and all the teams with game in hand, for example, Wraith and Dunfermline, they win all their games, will still be seven points clear. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I mean, I, I had a quick glance because I was worried that the gap... <laughs> this sounds crazy, but I was worried that the gap was trimmed to 11 points. 
and right. I had a little glance at the, the championship table just before we came on air actually Air United have dropped to ninth place obviously the relegation playoff place eh? well th- this wait, wait till you hear this Dunfermline in second place on 27 points are closer to Air in ninth on 17 i.e. there's a 10 point difference than they are to us in first how mental is that? That's unbelievable, man. I, I I honestly could not believe that when I saw it. But listen, I think we are making it trickier than than need be. Obviously, given the the weekend's result. Um, but let's 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 talk about the match action or, or what we saw of it. Obviously, I, <laughs> I caught the highlights. You caught the first, however long. Um, but and I've seen both goals. <laughs> That's it. Jesus, have you not seen any other of the late chances? No. No, I've heard about them, but I've not seen them. Oh, my word. <laughs> well, the Jambos made two changes uh, for, for the Tons trip to Tynecastle. Aaron McInef, like you said, came in for his home debut and first start um, at the Portobello Pirlo's expense. And club captain Stephen Naismith was recalled into the eleven with the man that would go on and grab our equaliser, Jamie Walker, initially starting from the bench. So Hearts lined up as follows with Craig Gordon in goal, Back four are Michael Smith, Mihai Popescu, Craig Halkett and Stephen Kingsley. In midfield, Andy Halliday and Adam McInef were the duo in front of the back four, with Javain Castanier also making his Tynecastle debut, and Gary Mackay-Stephen out wide, with Stephen Naismith supporting Liam Boyce up front. Daniel, were you happy with that team initially? Because, let's be frank, that should beat Morton at home. I actually tweeted exactly verbatim, I like that, I like that a lot. Yeah. I, 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 How wrong I, was I? No, well, we're we're gonna touch on the, the the match as a whole, but I don't I don't think that anybody would have begrudged you for you know making that claim. I mean, for me, that's only a couple bodies out with our strongest eleven. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, if we talk about early chances, you've mentioned just there that you like the look of Aaron McInef. I mm-hmm. coincidentally also do, and it was nearly the ideal start for him. Um, obviously, like I say, mentioning, uh, like I mentioned, making his his Tynecastle debut. Um, a nice little build up down the left hand side. Andy Halliday, Stephen Kingsley, uh, GMS, Nazy all involved. And um, before the skipper sets up the Irishman, takes a touch before looking to place it past Aidan McAdams into the corner, sort of opening up the body. Given that encouraging start with less than five minutes on the clock, Mr McIver, did you feel that it was only a matter of time before we scored? Because to me, it really was. I thought we started really brightly upon reflection. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the major complaints that a lot of Hearts fans have had this season is that we've started poorly or we've not started quickly enough. And I don't think that can really be said about this. As you said, we had a number of chances. The save from McInef was really good. The keeper made a really good save from his effort. Um but yeah, we just looked just looked up for it, really. Um, especially in that first opening 15-20 minutes. Castanier like beat his man four times in a row down the far side, and it was like, God, he's actually doing what you expect a winger to do. Um McInef put in a few poor crosses for corners, but then he just kind of seemed to get his head round, and I thought he put in a lot of good corners, actually, that should have happened. The Popescu miss is unbelievable. Well, th- this is what I was going to say, because to me, that start, 
it was as though we had a point to prove, and that was somewhat refreshing. You know, the the main bugbear of mine from the the Dumfries disappointment was having gone behind and sort of probing nothing really nothing really happening it was just sort of casual possession with no real penetration so the fact that we've mm-hmm. gone out there flown out the blocks to me was really encouraging um but like you mentioned a couple minutes after that hearts should have been ahead um a glorious chance falls to me high pescu after McInef's corners initially cleared only as far as Castanier, nods down to Liam Boyce and he centres for Popescu. Must be all of five, six yards out, but it really is a typical centre-half finish. That's the best that I can I can sum it up. How on earth did we not take the lead there? Can you riddle me that? Well, I'd just like to firstly say, I didn't think I'd see a worse miss than that this weekend. And then Ryan Christie just showed up. But that, that if you didn't know who Ryan Christie was, you'd think he was a centre-half like Popescu because that is exactly what it was. It was the definition of a centre-half's finish. He just... Listen, God love him. We've said this. We love the idea of Mihai Popescu, but whenever he gets into the box, he's, he just seems to go, ah! And just try and, like, completely panic when the sim- all I had to do there was just side-foot it. He didn't need to put any form of power on it at all that had already been handled and then he just it is just this kind of listen as a centre half former centre half myself I know what it's like when you're in the opposition box when the ball's in the air you're loving life as soon as it drops below shoulder height you're freaking out and panicking because you know that that's not what you're designed for but he didn't have anybody marking him <laughs> he almost had time to like take a touch and I just, I, it is one of those chances where I'll just never know how he missed. He he just seems to crumble like a digestive, doesn't he, really? That's, yeah. that's, that's, the, I think that's the best way I, I can sum him up. I felt quite bad for him after it because his confidence looked shot. Yeah, it was as though it all sort of zapped out from there on in, didn't it? He, he just, yeah. he did look very bereft of confidence. But we, as a whole, didn't look as though we were bereft of confidence. Um we had the chance that fell to Michael Smith at the back post and but for a poor finish again could have been ahead the Halliday volley that flashed just over the bar Liam Boyce then hits the den by himself with a fantastic flick from a tight angle at this stage again it just to me it defied belief how we weren't ahead can you put your finger on it as to why that wasn't the case because we certainly seemed to carve out a good few opportunities it was one of those days and I don't know if that continued into the second half. But in the first half, it was one of those days where it's like, nothing is going to go in the day. It doesn't matter. We could have a hundred shots and we're not going to get a fair reflection. Um, now, the other big reason, which is probably more apt, is that none of them were on target. No. No. Well, that's true. Could we... I mean... How, what what have we got to do in order to sharpen up in an offensive sense? Well, this is the thing, right? Because and we've got the to... personnel. I, I truly believe that we've got the personnel. I don't want to say I want to call you out, but I want to raise this point to you. Oh, God. Yes. You were amongst the people, uh-huh. and you were the shining light for this on this podcast, who your complaint... Previously, was that we were only keeping clean sheets and that we were conceding too many goals. Oh, oh we'll, get, we'll get into that. Don't you worry. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> my point was, listen, 
I think in this division, we can just kind of back ourselves to outscore the opponents, which had been happening. Obviously, there were exceptions to that rule. Dundee, Alloa, Wraith, Dunfermline. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Right? There were exception, exceptions to that rule, but generally, uh-huh. the games we won... In for the, the, ma- kind of for the first, majority of the season. Yeah, the first maybe t- 10, 11 games, yes. we were just like... It was like kamikaze. We were just going for it, right? But then, the complaint from the stands, and well, not the stands, the virtual stands, and Craig Gordon was that that wasn't good enough. We needed to be keeping clean sheets. We now seem to have went the other way. We're conceding less goals, but we're doing fuck all in front of the opposition. I'm starting to think we were bipolar. Well, so what would you rather have? That's my question. Oh. Be annoyed that we're conceding loads, but we're still winning games and scoring loads. Or we generally have a tighter defence, as we've only conceded one uh, against Morton, then one against Queen of the South, none against Dunfermline, none against Ayr. Or we go back to scoring Hunters, but we're conceding three against Ayr, three against Dunfermline, three against Dun- uh, Dundee, etc, etc, etc. You're just trying to make me go back on my words here. I know Maybe you. a wee bit. I, Maybe I, a wee I, bit. I knew it. Because I, I, can't, I can't win with this answer. <laughs> um, Obviously, the perfect scenario is keep clean sheets and score hundreds of goals. <laughs> but that doesn't happen. Oh, that, that's never been the heart of Midlothian's way in, what? Exactly. 140-odd years. Exactly. Um, Since 1875. <sighs> We had that one first year where we scored Hunters and it was like, right, that's it. That's our full history's time of goals now. See you later. <laughs> oh, I, d- oh, I honestly don't know. I wish I, wish I could have prepared this answer. Um, <laughs> no, I wanted to just throw it at you. Well, oh, look, I, I don't know. I mean, in, in a defensive sense, this now means that it's clean six clean sheets in 17 league matches, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I mean that's for for a championship winning side. That's not particularly great. But again, what does it matter if we're picking up goals and ultimately wins? I'd, oh, there's no <laughs> there's no definitive answer here for me. I, I really I really don't know. That's I, fair. I that's think fair. I think I would if I had to choose one, and this is being entirely honest. It probably would be the outscore because then at least games are entertaining and it sort of takes yeah. away from what we're saying beforehand with the lack of crowd and whatever. But again, how many times have you said particularly that you would happily have taken 27 1 0 wins? Yeah. So absolutely. it's six and two threes, isn't it, really, mate? But you, you mentioned the sort of defensive frailties, if you like. In the game, we switch off for virtually a minute and are ultimately punished for it. I was going to ask you, is this down to playing personnel? Is it a coaching catastrophe? What do you think it's down to? What, this individual goal or the fact that we're just, just being just, exposed to... No, just the, fact that we're, just the fact that we're being you know, exposed defensively because I look at it, under Levine, a former defender, suspect defensively. Stendhal, a more attacking-minded manager, suspect defensively. Now under Robbie, yet again, a former defender who's brought in Popescu and Kingsley, and yet we're still that little bit naive. I don't know. I, I, I can't seem to quite put my finger on it. What do you think it's down to? There's an element um, of like 
it's symptomatic of the whole club just now where despite multiple different personnels in both playing and managerial roles there just seems to be threads of consistency so for example as like a joke thing that Hearts fans always say is that we make good strikers shit like (laughs) it doesn't matter which has been proven to be true over the over the course exactly but think of like for example in our lifetime and the amount of strikers we could name that has presided over literal decades of different management players and stuff like that there are no there's no conjuncture between them no link between them but inexplicably heart of midlothian don't can sometimes and often ruin strikers much like regardless of personnel and the manager in for the majority of our lifetime we've been rubbish away from home i i get that so you think it's something deep rooted because even even when we were young i can't remember hearts being this poor defensively traditionally we've always had a good goalkeeper and have been pretty solid at the back and then that's given us the foundations to not be not be all that great offensively let's be honest but we used to grind out wins you know that ultimately had us in higher league positions do you just think it's you know where does this began from yeah, I don't. I I don't want that to be construed as I'm making excuses. No, for in the no, players. no. Of course, um, because it is still unacceptable. Like, but I get. I guess the argument is, when you look at it in the bigger picture, especially in the last few games where we've only conceded once at kind of most each game, that's reasonably solid for it in a general sense. Um, but as you say in the championship are we because that's where the discussion goes like does it get to the point where Hearts fans are saying we never want you to concede because that isn't going to happen of course but then on the flip side would these is it more a link between attack and defence where we wouldn't be bothered about conceding one against Morton if we put four past them yeah you know I just I just look at successful teams and your foundations are built from the back for the most part for me. I mean, mm. what what's the saying? Your defence wins you games, but the attack decides by how many. And it just... Yeah. I, 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 think, I think we are the, the sort of... I don't want to say the club proof, but like we're, we're the evident proof of that at the minute for me. I mean, let's talk about it because Morton nearly made us pay for all these missed opportunities. Um Aidan Nesbitt, who has played under Robbie uh, before at both MK Dons and Dundee United, sends a cross that very nearly catches Craig Gordon out. Um, again, hits the bar. I mean, could you imagine the meltdown had that gone in, given we'd been so dominant? You know, at halftime, what were your kind of immediate thoughts after that? Because that wasn't all that long before the the end of the half. Well, at halftime, I got into an argument with you and Murray. As you do. As you, as you do. Um, I, love, I love how, sorry, I love how we're, I think Robert Borthwick would be so proud of us in this Embrace the Beef campaign. You know, obviously that had a bit of a collapse. We're trying to reignite it, whether it be me against Michael Stewart, now you against you and Murray. This is just, this is the sort of drama that we're craving both on and off the park. So I think we have to get, you know, props for that. But ex- explain to the non- Twitter users amongst their listeners your beef 
So basically what happened was you and Murray just tweeted in all capital letters BOO at half time. Um, and I just can I didn't actually expect a response. I, it was a very just flippant comment. I just replied, I, I didn't even reply, I just quote tweeted it going, eh, I think we've been no bad. Because that was kind of my summary of the first half. We've not been amazing, but we've been pretty decent. And my opinion was we're just going to go on and we're going to get the goals necessary and do it fine. You and Murray then replied with, you're easily pleased. <laughs> to which my response was, yes, it is pleasing to see us have high tempo, new boys looking good, limiting them to zero clear-cut opportunities and looking quite solid. So yes, that is pleasing. And um, he responded with, so you seriously think GMS and Castanier have done well? And my response was, I'll give you GMS. I'd kind of forgotten that GMS was even playing. Um, so I was like, I'll give you that. I actually thought in that first half, Castanier did look good overall in the half. He definitely had some idiotic moments, and I've heard about some idiotic moments that he had in he, the second half. Sorry, mate. He was coincidentally somebody that you were wanting to start in this match, yeah. in the last mm-hmm. pod. So you're, it was it was justified, obviously, with with his inclusion for me. Definitely. Um, and then I made the point, I was like, however, you're coincidentally, you're not mentioning Aaron McInef, who has arguably been the best player in the park. Totally agree. And, um, and then I can't mind what he said. He said someone else. And I was just like, right, okay, whatever. Um, oh, no, he said, um, McInef has been fine. Look at who he's playing against. And my response was, you can only play against what's in front of you. And he's doing well with what's in front of him. And I just didn't get a response. But that was that was pretty much my summary. I thought McInef looked fantastic. I thought we were playing with tempo. Yeah, we kind of fell out of it in the last 10 minutes or so. But that first 20, 25 minutes, I was like, if we can emulate that in the second half, we'll be fine. And then that's where it started making me realise, going, but I just, I, I don't have any ambition or want to watch the second half. Which I think is even worse, because I tuned out, I stopped watching when we were still playing all right and we hadn't even conceded, which I think is a testament to how disenfranchised I'm currently feeling about football right now. No, of course, and listen, you're not the only one. I mean... The meltdown then ensues after a, a fine finish, I've got to be honest, um, from Morton midfielder Craig McGuffey. Powerful left-footed strike that flies past Craig Gordon in a flash. Um, and given our dominance, it just appeared as though they'd given a, a lesson to us in how to finish. And we're ahead, obviously chasing the, their first one in Gorgie since 1984. I mean, my dad would have been younger than Andy Irving. Um, so Wow. I'd, I say it all the time, but it's the oldest saying in the book, and if you don't take your chances, then you will get punished. And even at this level, that just appears to be the case. I, I wanted to ask you, because I, I saw on Twitter, I saw various calls about Peter Haring and his lack of uh, game times, lack of action. Given Craig Levine signed him initially as a centre-half, would you be inclined to put him at centre-back? Given, you know... Our defensive frailties still? I mean, I'm not saying that the goal was down to a centre-half per se. I mean, I just think that there's far too much room on their left and our right flank. Um, but given given how poor we've been at the back sort of these past two games, obviously conceding to both Queen's, albeit it was a penalty, um, and Morton, would you, be, would you be willing to chuck Big Pete at the back? 
I'd be willing to chuck Herring literally any position on that park. So centre half can be one of them, sure. I just that's another aspect I wanted to speak about. Uh, before I get into that, I will say it's Michael Smith at fault for the goal. Yeah, well, it it comes down the left, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I know that the argument will be they're all pressed across far left. I know that, so Smith has to tuck in, and he does. But he tucks in far too much. He almost becomes a sweeper, and he's dropped below Popescu, and he's kind of just followed Popescu's man for some reason. I know Popescu stepped up as well, but Popescu can drop in. It means that Popescu's kind of stranded, because if he drops in, Smith's just there, and then Smith, as we see, isn't with his man on the far side. But... The Peter Herring thing, I'd be absolutely fine chucking him in at centre-half. That is fine with me. But, I'd, and listen, folk are going to get on to me for this. And again, I didn't watch the second half, so I don't know what he was like. There is no... No one can tell me that Peter Herring wouldn't be an improvement over Andy Halliday. Oh, controversial. But probably, probably correct. Listen, in the grand scheme of things, we've said that Halliday has underwhelmed. Um, I feel in the bigger games for when we do get promoted, that that could be the making of our kind of defensive duo in front of the back, in front of the back four, for the likes of I don't know the old firm coming to Tiny or whoever. What Herring and Halliday? Yeah, I don't want that. Why not? Because I don't think they work well together. They're doing each other's jobs. Well, this is what I was going to say, because I I get the impression that Robbie might set up a bit too defensive in these type of games. No? But this is the thing. So I I do get that, right? I totally get that some people will say having two midfielders is too defensive. I think, though, people are misconstruing what those job roles are. I think people are taking them to be two holding midfielders which I don't believe they are so what do you reckon that one of them's capable of contributing offensively as well I don't think you could describe Aaron McInef's performance on Saturday from what I saw as a holding midfielder no but so what But I think people are saying that there's the complaint I've seen a lot is that for fuck's sake why is Robbie playing two holding midfielders I don't think he is. I think he's playing one. And the problem is, is that the one who's having to be the holding midfielder can't do it in the form of Andy Halliday. So often, whoever his partner is, for example, Irving, drops deeper because he knows that he's going to have to do clean-up. McInef, he had to do a bit more defensive duties than I think he would prefer to do. Herring is better than Halliday in every position valuable. So... The problem is, and I think we'll get to it with another individual about forcing into the team, I feel the worry is Halliday can only do the holding midfield role. That's all he can do. Well, this is what I was going to get into because for me, neither Andy Halliday or Peter Haring can contribute in the same way that Aaron McInef can. Exactly. That's why I'd really like to see... Fraser, I know we're going to get to it much later on, but I'd really like to see a start on Friday night with Herring and McInef. Interesting. Do you, do you think Big Pete's up to it fitness-wise? Because... But this is this is the thing. That's not why he's not playing, which is what the 
well, I am infuriated by. <laughs> Robbie did say it's sort of trying to squeeze a minute at present, isn't it? Like, that's bullshit. Because I'm not buying his, it either. His argument is, the argument he used was, listen, everybody's got to wait for an opportunity. And players need to take them when they become available. Andy Halliday has, as you said, even being kind to him, has been underwhelming this season. Peter Haring, yes, the two games he's played in the league this season, he's been underwhelming. But he's been one of the best players, arguably the best player at the club for the last three years. So you give, I don't understand why we're giving Andy Halliday the benefit of the doubt and being told, listen, he'll play himself into form just because he's no other pre-season. But Haring, who's been out for a fucking nine years, it feels like, but in the time that he was fit, was our best player... I don't understand why he's not allowed to just cement himself in the team, give him a run of five games, especially in this league. Do you think that's down to the fact that maybe Robbie's signed Halliday and it's sort of trying to prove to the fan base that, well, look, I've brought this guy in. I think he can contribute for the large duration of our season. So I'm going to persist with him in this league in the hope that he can then rectify it with a full pre-season for when we get back to the top tier. Or do you just think... I don't know. I, I, I just feel as though Robbie's stuck Halliday in there and persisted with him because it looks sort of sceptical that he then doesn't use him given it was him that signed him. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I totally get what you mean. And if that is the reason, that's not a good, that's not a good enough reason. No. I know that you're not saying it is, no, no. but I, I just mean yeah. generally. Um, because, as I say, like it was when he, in that same article piece, he mentioned the fact that, look, Popescu had a few bad games... Bera came in, did well, and then Popescu took his opportunity. It's like, there's so many things wrong with that sentence. It's like, Popescu, <laughs> yeah, didn't he look amazing? Like, it, the Dunfermline game was the one he was dropped, but I think it was worse individuals. Bera came in and did not do well. He, he, he definitely, he did the, almost the complete opposite of doing well. We conceded more goals when Bera played. And hold, then, hold on a minute. According to Michael Stewart, he's a new man and a key uh, component for this Hearts team, no? No, he's not. He's literally the worst player in it. Like, literally the worst player in it. But, Popescu then didn't take, an, take a chance when Berra was out of form. Berra got hurt. That was the only reason Popescu <laughs> got brought back in. So it's not like he took an opportunity. I mean, I, I get the point that he took an opportunity in the sense of he didn't fuck up massively, but he was playing the same way that he was playing before they got dropped. And now Robbie's just not dropping him anymore. So, and the same argument where it's like, oh, Herring has two bad games, so gets dropped. Yet Elliot Freer, Jordan Roberts, Andy Halliday were persisted with, and are, and one of them is still being persisted with, even after countless games of either being completely ineffective or actually being one of the worst players. You, I mean, we've talked about personnel there for a fair whack. Do you, do you feel as though the formation's got to change? Because, to me, we've talked about kind of two holding mids. Robbie mentioned favouring a, a one-up-top system prior to the Morton match for wanting to dominate proceedings in the middle, and I get that, but, but then he also talks about picking up on second balls. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, against Morton, we should have the fair share of possession anyway, so surely we don't need somebody to pick up on them as such. I just feel as though... Again, I, I, I heart back to making opposition teams fear us rather than what anything that they're going to do. Yeah, anything that they're going to do to us. We should be out 
essentially laying the blueprint for how the game is going to go, no? Again, I, I do totally agree. I don't. I only want us to play with a two up front when we're playing a three at the back. I don't like a four four two. Interesting. I don't think we have the personnel for it. No? No, because we played four four two in that first half against Ayr, and it was terrible. Now, I know it's not exactly the ideal conditions to test <laughs> a new formation. Um and it, I, I would be fine with seeing it happen. Um, it like, then sort example. of transpired to a four-two-three-one, though, didn't it? But in essence, with boys yeah. kind of dropping in the the ten, if you like. I I like a four-two-three-one. I like having one and then three in behind. I don't like the argument that a four-two-three-one isn't attacking just because you're playing a one. Like you've actually got four attackers. Like football has moved on from. If you have two strikers, you're suddenly attacking. Like, by that logic, Liverpool last season were never attacking because they didn't technically play with a striker because Firmino was in a false nine and then they had overlapping wingers. Like, that's more attacking. But then it'll be a front three, no? But that's the thing. That's still not a two. Like, I I think the complaint (laughs) a lot of people have is that we don't play Nandwili and Boyce up front every single game. And I get that, but I think you need to. I'm fine with a three. I'm fine with a four three three. I'd actually really like a four three three, but that's still to some people they would say no. That's still one striker. Like they would look at the because a four two three one is essentially a four three three if you just have the wingers go more attacking and the ten drop a bit deeper. Like yeah, basically. Enough. Yeah, I'd, listen, I, I, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to mention your man Big Nando um, mm-hmm. because it's funny that you say that. I just feel as though with Craig Whiten, obviously the now free-scoring forward at Dunfermline, um, having left the club, that only leaves him and Boyce sort of mm-hmm. as they as they recognised out-and-out strikers. I sort of would have liked to have seen both up front, but I'm interested to gain your thoughts overall regarding our attacking elements because the manager obviously spoke about the frustrations in front of goal. We had something along the lines of 26 shots and I've obviously only scored the once. So, and only three on target from those 26. I, th- I mean, when Nand really came on, he just gave us a new lease of life. I actually thought that that was the perfect substitution. See, I've only seen the goal, but he, did, he does really well for the goal considering it's not his natural game. His game is... He basically was a left winger, it looked like. Well, he had one where... Sort of not 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 too long after the opener, where he's down the other flank, I think, and he centres for Gary Mackay-Steven, who sort of scoops it over the bar, as opposed to just chucking the laces through it. And he just looked such a handful when he came on. Um, and this... You know, you, you've, you're sort of changing my mind here, because initially I did want to see Nand Wheelie and Boyce up front... I'm fi- I will say I'm fine with a, with they two up front, but I'd want it either I'd want it in a three five two, which I fucking say every single week. That's all I keep shouting about. But I'd want it with like Popescu, Halkett, Herring as a three, and then Kingsley Smith as wing backs, McInef in like the tet no McInef and Irving as the two, Walker in the ten, and then Nandwili and Boyce. Your mate Jamie Walker in the 10. Fuck it. Wow. He's better than Naismith now. 
well, this is what I was going to ask you because Stephen Naismith, to me, I mean, I've said the past few weeks... He's the person he, I was hinting at that is just being forced into the team. Yeah, and he just seems like a better impact sub for me. Literally was just about to say that. I yeah. think it, however, I guess the argument that people would say to us just now, and I said it in the Dunfermline game, Walker started against Queen of South and didn't do a lot, and then Naismith came on and did well. Naismith started against Morton, didn't do a lot, and then Walker came on and did well. So maybe Walker's also a better impact sub as well. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to talk about Jamie Walker because obviously now now he joins the, the 50 club. Um, I mean, I, I don't know really what else there is to say about the second half because there's a couple... It's a oppor- good goal. There's a it's couple a opportunities goal. and there's nothing major, but it is a great goal. I mean, it just... He, he actually could have scored a couple minutes prior there was some I good, did hear about this there, there was some good work this. from Gary Mackay Stephen the, t- the type of thing that I've been craving and he gets the better of his man he loops a ball to the back stick and Jamie catches sort of on the volley with a little sort of acrobatic effort um, and then like you say it it, it is a fine header um, a good ball from Big Nando and a great header and Robbie mentioned that we're perhaps beginning to see the best of Jamie Walker in this second spell in my opinion, anyway, he's been the man of the moment um, in recent weeks. Would you go along with that as somebody that's never heard of criticising Jamie Walker that perhaps we are beginning to see the best of him? Um, or is it still too soon? I wouldn't say he's been the man of the moment because I think Boyce has been that. I think Boyce has just been consistently great. Okay. I know that Walker will get a lot of the headlines because he's now got 50 goals. He came on against Dunfermline and won it with a great goal, and a lot of people like him. So they'll and they feel because just like with, for example, Smith or for example, Boyce, with me and I, I'm never shy about the fact I really like them. I will big them up more than I would big up other people. I, I think that. that kind of happens with Walker to an extent. But listen, I'm not going to sit here this week and slag him. I was like, going to say, is this is this in response to the haters? No, but I don't. I still don't think he's been good this season in terms of what I expect Oof. from Jamie Walker. No, no, I'm not saying he hasn't been good. No, I'm I, saying for the levels that he should be at. And it's more over the piece you're meaning rather than this past yeah, month course. or so. In the last, yeah. for example, yeah, this past month. Him and Boyce have probably been our two best players. Yeah, and and again, this is why I wanted to mention Big Nando because what's that? Four games and three goal contributions. Yeah, is that uh, right? Uh, two goals and an assist. Some something like that. But anyway, it just what what would you like to see for our attacking elements going forward? Is it a case of Walker supporting Boyce with Nandwili off the bench, or I mean? Uh, if Boyce is fit, he surely starts. But then, given how good Big Nando was at the weekend, I'm not. I, I wouldn't be against him starting as opposed to Boyce and maybe give him a rest. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just now don't think you can drop Boyce because I don't. Th- I think I would understand that if we were playing loads of games, but we're playing once a week now. Yeah, like, I suppose it's it's enough of fine. a gap, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's fair um, enough. But I do, I do. As I say, listen, I'm going to say it every single week until it happens in 2039. I want to see three five two. Even when I we've just, not got the personnel anymore. 
but especially now when I think we have exactly the right personnel. Because at the start of the season, what one of the biggest positives was the bombastic nature of Smith and Kingsley. Like, Smith and Kingsley both have got several goals between them. And then we've just suddenly stopped doing that. And I think it fixes a lot of problems that a lot of fans, myself included, have been saying that we're not getting the best out of the wide areas. We are when they two are the wide people. Well, I was going to ask exactly that. Is that just down to the wingers obviously being recruited coming into the club that that's the reason why they are not sort of pushing on as much now? I think so. I think it's because they have players in front of them who are being told, you just need to attack. And Smith and Kingsley are being told, you need to sit back a bit more. And I think it's just making them look worse because you're now not getting to see as many chances where they bomb forward. And again, just with the centre-halves, it allows Popescu to play on the outside of a three where he's more confident in bringing the ball out here and can sit a wee bit deeper. Halkett can bring it out as well. Then in the middle, as a three, you can have... this. Fucking Hunter's a centre mid here than now. But you can have even even you can even have Halliday in that because it means that Herring is on the pitch but isn't bumping into Halliday because they're not playing in the same role. So you can have Halliday and Irving sitting and together. Dishing it on yeah, and then Mac and F or Walker in the ten, whichever you want, or you can drop Irving if you don't think Irving's good. But I would personally play a midfield three of Irving, Mac and F and Walker. And then Boyce and Nandouli. I listen. I like the sound of that. I just, I just don't think we'll ever see it. Which is, a bit I'd just like to even try it. Like, I'm not saying we need to rigidly stick to it, but I'd just like to see it even attempted once. That could maybe. Uh, well, I was going to say that could maybe be something for the cup, but at, at risk of avoiding a cup exit and sort of our season, then. I don't want to say our season would be over, but essentially. In fact, I don't give a fuck about the cup, so day it then. <laughs> well, there you go then. That that's enough of a conclusion. But um, I don't know. Listen, going back to the weekend, I think there was a great chance that Halkett had, who could have nodded home for the winner. That was one I heard about. Yeah, but but that was to me that just looked like the only real opportunity after equalising. You know. That's sort of a, a wee annoyance that I've got because I'm not annoyed overall given the performance. We, we thoroughly dominated the match. We should have won the match. But the only bugbear really is the result. Um, mm-hmm. And listen, of course, we can rectify it this weekend. Um, Robbie himself has acknowledged that we must do a lot better. And it's refreshing to see him not blaming the playing surface. But we're, of course, hoping that we can do a lot better given that we travel all the way up to Inverness on Friday evening. Hearts taking on Cali Thistle uh, live in front of the BBC Scotland cameras. Oh, Bef- fuck, I forgot about that aspect. <laughs> Before we mention anything regarding the Inverness game, um, I believe that I speak for, for the both of us when I say that we at Perth to Paisley uh, would like to offer our sincerest condolences to Mr John Robertson and the rest of the family after seeing that Robbo has been given compassionate leave uh, following a family bereavement. So, just like to say that you're in our thoughts, Robbo, and we'd of course like to wish you and the rest of the Robertson clan uh, our deepest sympathies. Especially, it's it's especially gutting because he's going to be missing this game, which is a proper feel-good game. Absolutely. Like it is gutting and, that he's not going to be there. And given the build-up regarding it as well, with obviously the signed yeah. letters and the virtual tickets and what have you. But I, I wanted to ask you, mate, because what are you anticipating from, from Cali at the weekend? Obviously, it was a good win for them uh, over here at Somerset uh, at the weekend, albeit that's their first win in seven. And now... <laughs> Like I mentioned at the top of the uh, top of the show, they're out of the relegation playoff place. Given we've mentioned 
that they've just got so many games in hand. Go get beat, eh? <laughs> it would be the heart of Midlothian way, wouldn't it? It's another team that are started to just find their stride before they play us, which seems to just be... I to be fair, it's their first one in seven. It's still a win, though. And there there's without... no no wins in eight. <laughs> well, they're, they're without their gaffer. That's true. So are we, though. <laughs> well, th- this is something I wanted to get off of you, because <laughs> I found your tweet absolutely hilarious when you were talking about the modern game and in this current uh, predicament. A touchline ban isn't really a touchline ban, it is it? It does fuck all, doesn't it? <laughs> like, even if there's 20,000 folk there, you can just, it can just WhatsApp jig and go switch this about. But there's nobody there. It could just... Did you see him on Saturday? It could just shout at Kingsley and be like, Kingsley, push up. Like, what's the point? <laughs> did you see the side-by-side of the little Britain, sort of the boy in the wheelchair, and then Robbie sat... Is, oh, yeah. brilliant. Um, but that is like, what is the point, man? <laughs> Surely, if it's a if it's a ban in these current circumstances, you have to ban them for like the stadium, because otherwise it plays no effect. But again, in modern football, I just don't think it has any form of effect. David Moyes started this West Ham run when he was watching on Zoom. <laughs> That's true, actually. I forgot all about that. Oh, amazing! But no, but I, we're going to get beat. We're going to get beat. I'm telling you now. When have we ever been good against Inverness away in our lifetime? When have we ever been a good away full stop? That's true, but specifically Inverness, we're always rubbish up there. Like It'd be very intriguing, actually, to know when our last win up in Inverness was. That's a great point. That's, yeah, it's a good point. That's one for London Hearts or somebody, yeah. somebody along the way. I was about to say, sadly, one that we are ill-equipped to answer <laughs> at this current moment. But, um, but, oh, dickhead. I just don't. How are you feeling? Are you confident? Because you were fucking confident as anything for the Morton game. Oh, M- Morton are rubbish, but then so are we, so. True. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. True. And, and I thought, it's a Saturday 3 pm kickoff. We're at Tynecastle on a great <laughs> park, you know. Everything's going right. <laughs> the stars were aligning. And then, obviously, the result didn't follow, but uh, you, you can just see it now. I mean, couple couple ex jambos in the ranks it'll probably be a Kevin McCarty oh, how many I was about to say how many other well it'll be a, a, a Kevin McCarty corner that's nodded on by like Brad Mackay and James Keatons misses a sitter from however far out and there's we Anthony McDonald making his, his return to Inverness and he just Don't stabs the ball as well yeah big Todorov aye that's right god they've got loads of them yeah what I'm, I'm just trying to think there'll be right, Ridgers in goal Ridgers and goal. Richards is in goal. McCarty, eh? uh, Mackay, Keatings, eh, Todorov, McDonald. McDonald. Anybody Have else? Have they got like Jamie Hamill or something? Still <laughs> knocking about. See, you know, uh, he's at Stranraer, I think, in the, the lower leagues. That's not quite yes. his level, unfortunately. But that's mental how many they've got. Oh, I couldn't handle that, it emotionally if Brad Mackay scored. That must just be the, the Robo influence. He's so... Literally, right? I said to a guy on Twitter, because someone went, when will the next performance come? And now it can't happen, because I was like, Rob will go to the changing rooms and go, listen, boys, they need this more than us. <laughs> lie That's down. just kind of... Lie down for the... <laughs> come on. My dad said <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> he said, we'll, we'll get a result up in Inverness. I was like, are you mental? He was like, no, no, Robbo's in charge. He'll, he'll lay down to us. <laughs> but he's not there anymore, so his assistants will be... I remember in fairness, my dad was like, Robbo's that... 
wee prick who will be like, have you seen them? They're shite. <laughs> like, we've got this. They're <laughs> um, I would I would find it emotionally distressing if Brad Mackay scored. Well, we've we've scraped past them what two one both times this season at Tiny. I'm trying to two one of... the the seat the home game at Tiny though the fact it was only two one was mental. Are you talking league? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just trying Aye, to the think... cup game was quite hard actually. I'm trying to think of other matches under Robo. The the League Cup under Levine we won five nil. Really easy. Yeah. And obviously that same season did them in the, the Scottish Cup semi, yeah. That was really three nil as well. So. I still that has led me to one of my most incredulous moments as a part of a crowd. Wait, when was that at Hamden? Yeah, when we went in nil nil after absolutely battering them, and some folk booed, and me and this guy four rows down were both just like, "Eh, we've been good," and then we came out and absolutely obliterated them again. And it was like. Eh, I know we're only. I know it's nil nil, but it's like we've been all over them. No, listen that that first half. Oh my god, that is that is PTSD at its at its finest. That was like it was like two sides just flinging shite at one another, wasn't it? It was absolutely what in the semi. Oh, it was terrible. And what then, are you t- no, no, you were part of that booing folk. No, that's what no, this no. was. Listen, I, I wouldn't. I've, I don't think I've ever booed hearts. Surprisingly, but no, that first. I do not believe that. I do not believe. I swear. I swear. Ask. I think ask, I've booed. Ask a single soul. I've never booed us ever. I think I've booed. Um, but and even then. I think they they scored in that semi, did they not? And they could have no. and should have taken the lead. Did Jamie McCart not have a goal disallowed for offside? No. Oh, well, aye, but it was offside. Like, oh, that's no. that's like saying, oh, well, we could have won 5-0, but we just didn't put the ball in the back of the <laughs> No, listen. Like, what was that we fuck off? <laughs> no, listen, of course, over the piece, I mean... We Bobby did, made an unbelievable we, we save choose. in it. Was that the free kick? Yeah, it was. Yeah. But, oh, listen, it... Surely we've got enough, even despite our our dire away day displays, our inability to perform on live TV to get three points. No, nah, I'm going one 0 Inverness. Jesus, I thought I thought I was the the pessimistic one. Literally, right? Whenever I've been pessimistic on this show, we've been class. The next or game reverse after. psychology thing. Okay, yes. Because um, th- listen, three 0 Cali honest. Thistle. <laughs> let's be honest. The players listen to us. They they they're tuned into the Perth to Paisley podcast every well, week. Yeah. Jamie Walker sharpening his knife for me when he sees me. <laughs> so if we can get in their heads, being like they'll be rubbish, they'll be like, right, we're going. That's what the fucking pre-match team talk will be. Just audio at us predicting the score and be like, show they two idiots what you're actually made of. And then when they're giving the vickies and the, the TV camera after we go 1-0 up, we'll know who it's directed towards. Exactly, and we'll just be loving it, fully embracing it. Who do you think is the most likely to listen to it? Out of the playing squad. That's a, that's, a, that's a decent wee point. Michael Smith, because he's lovely and is supportive of all Hearts fans. What a hero. What a boy. Obviously, we mentioned uh, we Tony McDonald. He follows the account. He does. So He's a lovely man. I, I just want I to know this is so... This is so out of the blue, but we didn't mention it. Uh-huh, go on. I thought Christoph Berra had had a punch-up with somebody, but it's just his wife went into labour. So congratulations. Good on the big man. I don't know if um, his wife's still in labour. I hope I hope not. 
because that would be oh, that would be tough <laughs> like 48 hours labour um, I haven't just I just haven't seen anything I, I assumed that the club would say something yeah um, but it doesn't appear that that's been the case like you say yeah but yeah I thought Joel Sked had to message me saying that everything's fine interesting no I'd, I mean they've, they've kept that under wraps haven't they absolutely but um, no I, I, I don't know you, you didn't answer my question who do you think so Michael Smith would be your Michael your Smith would be my guess or I wonder like, I wonder if Andy Irving I think Andy Irving might be a bit worried that I'm like stalking him I mean to be honest it's a fair enough worry I've no great lie this is an intervention Adam <laughs> I need to get a grip 22 years old in Heart and Midlothian FC is literally at the forefront of my mind constantly I, and, f- I keep forgetting I'm and Andy Irving you. but listen how has he not signed a new deal yet? I know he's not been performing the last few weeks, but come no, it's on, just it's the just piece. the usual it's the usual agent club. Thing. I'm not reading too much into it. I've seen loads no. of folk be like, "This means that he's no signing," or folk are like, "This means he's definitely signing." Listen, I just it's very much he'll know his worth. His agent will know double his worth, and the club will know that they're probably going to need to pay a wee bit more than they, they than they would have done a year ago. Cause I know but he, I think he'll be fine. Well, I know that he wasn't great against Queens, and obviously, in my opinion, anyway, deserved to be dropped. Do you think he's still been one of our best players this season? Of, no, of course, and I think he's. I think he leads the championship chart for assists and whatever. Or he's, de- he's yeah, he's def- overtaken he's, Lee. He's, he's, def- overtaken he's definitely Lee, up there. But the the point I was going to make was: Do you think that maybe this contract talk is a reason as to why he found himself on the bench at the weekend? No. Ah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know, I, but maybe it was just his performance against Queens wasn't he very yeah. good. No, no, like like I say, maybe maybe it's just a, a bit of both. But um, obviously, we're hoping for a better performance uh, at, at the weekend for for sure. Are you going to give us a, a wee prediction before we before we wrap it up? I'm going with one 0 Inverness. What about you? <laughs> it's probably a max of one goal in the game, isn't there? I know, exactly. Probably That's why be, I'm going 1-0, not 2-1. Probably be yet another snooze fest. Absolutely. What are you going with? Oh, did I go optimistic and look like a clown next week? I mean, oh, aye, because now you should worry about looking like a clown. <laughs> Never mind every other episode of this. That now, 33 is when we need to start worrying. Listen, this is a big deal. There'd be, there'd be many who would love to be in this, in this position. Um... No, I don't know. I'll, I'll Talk say... to me. I agree. <laughs> I'll say a nil-nil stalemate. There you are. Fucking hell. This is the most optimistic podcast you've ever heard in your life. However, thank you very much for listening to it. Um, Catch you next week for some more us... optimism. Exactly. The fact that we never even watched the game properly and managed to drag this out is impressive, by the way. Unbelievable. This is what I mean. We're a big fucking deal, mate. Well, that's getting clipped. That's getting clipped by folk now. Why have you done that? Why have you said that? <laughs> it just just popped into my head. I'm sorry. For fuck's sake, that's us getting rinsed. However, if you'd like to rinse us on social media, we're at Perth to Paisley on everything. You can get us on all good podcast platforms. Please leave us a review on your platform of choice. Massively, massively helps. We're also on YouTube as well if you want to look at Still images of the games as well. That's class. Or have us uh, open in Adam, a tab. That's the way to go. That's the way to fly. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he just stare at the image for an hour? <laughs> Fucking hell. What's wrong with you? 
Adam, where can they get you on social media? They can get me on all the socials at Adam T. Kendall and yourself, mate. I am at McIver the Mark. We will be back next week with all the fallout from the Inverness game. It's not been great <sighs> recently, but things have to improve. Surely. Exactly. Let's just hope for more positivity. Well done to Jamie Walker for getting 50 goals. And we'll see you next week. Keep the faith. Want the Jaitis. <laughs> <laughs>